You're listening to the Child Life Cooperative Podcast, a place where child life professionals share their real and honest stories with host and certified child life specialist, Allie Jones. The halls of the pediatric ER are still. Nurses quietly chart. Someone is routinely stocking the linen cabinets and another mops the floor. And yet, at any given moment, everything can change. A short EMS call can turn a silent night in the ER into controlled chaos. Along with nurses and doctors, certified child life specialist Danielle Fleckenstein prepares at her battle station, ready to jump into action. As a terrified patient rolls in, Danielle takes her position by the patient's head. This could be life or death, and Danielle must face it with each patient. This week's episode, Untold Stories of the ER, will take you behind the scenes into the emergency setting. Now, here's this week's Honest Story. Hello, hello. I am Allie Jones, and I'm with my good pal, (laughs) Danielle Fleckenstein. You know, actually, I'm going to be honest. I've pronounced it Fleckenstein. Oh, really? (laughs) At times. So it's helpful to hear exactly what it's like. So, Danielle, (laughs) you are an ER child life specialist. I am an ER child life specialist. So do you, like, ever get nervous starting your day, like, where you don't know what to expect? I have no idea what each day will hold. I think that's the part of the joy of the emergency department. I always knew, I think everybody's different, especially in the child life field. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows what they like and what they maybe aren't as comfortable with, and this is my niche. always has been in my internship I knew walking out I wanted to always be in the ER. What is it that really excites you about being in the ER? It's a challenge it's I'm the type of person that always looks for a challenge I like to have to problem solve I like to have to be flexible and that's what the ER presents but it's also the aspect of you're dealing with kids and families that are in crisis every day and being able to be a support system for them during a time where they might not know how to provide that support for themselves. It's really, really amazing to be able to help them through those times. Wow, that's so cool. It sounds like, especially hearing you talk as well, like just talking about this brain bleed and stuff, you Mm -hmm. you sound very educated about like the medical (laughs) aspects of the ER too. How did you how do you learn that on a day-to-day basis? Like, how do you educate yourself on? There's definitely a learning curve. I was lucky enough to be uh, pre-med in college for three years. Were you? I don't know if really? I've ever told you that. Uh, no, I didn't um, So I was originally pre-med. Uh, I always, since I was 12 years old, wanted to be a pediatric. Um, actually, I wanted to be a pediatric electrophysiologist. Oh, my. Growing up. Um, oh. So I knew, like, being on the medical in the medical field was always a goal of mine. But in college, once I learned what child life was and was brought to that part of the field and more psychosocial aspect of healthcare, I had that aha moment of I fell in love and knew that's what I wanted to do. So I've always been extremely interested in the medical field. And being in the emergency department, I really take effort to make sure I learn new things. If there's a diagnosis a child doesn't, or a child has that I don't know what that is, I find out what it is. Um, And that's what I also teach my interns to do too. Self-educating is so important, but I also feel like being open to learning new things. I think of myself as a forever learner Mm -hmm. and I love learning about those things. So when it comes to procedures, when it comes to diagnoses, when it comes to testing, 
I'm very excited to learn more of the more medical aspects of those things. Totally. How about with the fast-paced nature of the ER, Mm -hmm. how do you go about learning in the moment? Like, can you tell me about a time when you're like, oh, okay, here we go. Like, we're just figuring this out as we go. Absolutely. Um, An example, we had an ear laceration. Okay. It's a perfect example. I've never seen what an ear block is. So anytime you block something, for example, if you have a laceration on your finger, you block, you do a digital block on the finger. So... You'll do injections of lidocaine at the base of the finger to make sure the rest of the finger is numb. So then you can fix whatever whatever injury is there. So this particular child had a laceration on his ear. And oh. I've never seen an ear block before. So I was kind of thrown into the room of like, okay, Danielle, I'll go into the room. He's freaking out. They're going <laughs> to... They're going to repair his ear. (laughs) Fix it. So I brought my tools in, and we kind of went through it. But I think the key to it is working with the providers and the nurses of, okay, let's talk step-by-step. Our one provider, I asked her specifically, now tell me how, can you tell me and remind me what these steps are going to be? How is is this going to feel? What kind of feelings is she going to experience when she gets this like procedure done or test done or however you want to word it and that's kind of the indication for them a lot of the times we do a lot of nonverbal communication within the room of okay I'm not a master of this we're going to try and work together on making sure this child understands what's happening so they can be better prepared and better have some control over whatever procedure we're doing but for the ear lack it's using lidocaine for anybody who's ever had to have it it burns it hurts Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not a pleasant experience so having prior knowledge of knowing what lidocaine how I normally describe that helps but also asking okay now can you remind me how many times are we going to give our patient this test or this lidocaine injection and I learned while I was in the room that we this particular provider did four different block or four different injections to block the ear so it was inside the ear outside of the ear below the ear and above the ear so it's four separate injections that that provider did oh my gosh so it's kind of like go with the fly and ask your questions while you're in the room but also make it a way of like having the provider be the educator for both of you for you and the child you kind of use that as a strength which Mm -hmm. I'll do that even on things that I'm just not completely confident of because every nurse and every provider goes about different procedures differently. Uh-huh. Um, so I do use that technique a lot. What do you do if that provider, which it sounds like you have such a great relationship yeah. with them, but if you're trying to empower them to educate and they start using words like, oh, it's going to hurt terribly and we're going to use a giant needle or, you know, like, <laughs> you know, those sort of things. How do you, like, do you have any strategies on how you rein it back in or how you kind of tune A lot out? of times I usually, uh, it's so funny because some of the nurses will just call me the child interpreter where... <laughs> I, <laughs> I love that. Or they'll just use, like, medical jargon that I'm, I kind of laugh. I'm like, do you really think that the child's going to understand what you just said? But I just use clarification words. Like, mm. you know, most kids, a lot of times I'll say most kids or most teens tell me this is what they experience. It doesn't come from me telling them what they should experience or will experience. It's what other kids have told me which I feel like it puts it on the same playing level or uh, 
in a way that helps them feel like, okay, other kids have gone through this before. Mm-hmm. This is what they've experienced. These are different ways of describing what their experience was. So it gives them a sense of not being alone and it empowers them, I feel. Yeah. But there have been times where I kind of am like, whoa, whoa, hold on, let's let's start from scratch. <laughs> Reset. Let's let's talk about from the beginning steps to the end steps, and this is how we're gonna get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but even I remember when I was out west and we had our one of our traumas, we had a lot of residents and we had a patient who was hit by a car. And they have to clear the C-spine, which is another medical jargon term. And uh, the medical student told the child that, okay, I'm going to clear your C-spine. I actually started laughing because I just, I went right up to her face. I said, that just means they're going to touch your back up and down. (laughs) And please tell us yes or no if it hurts. Like, it's so simple. It's so funny because... I think a lot of providers, they forget who they're talking to. They forget they're talking to kids mm-hmm. who don't know what a C-spine is. Or... Totally, totally. <laughs> Thank goodness for you, you child interpreter. <laughs> another <laughs> another name for a child life specialist. How about, speaking of trauma, mm-hmm. can you tell me about, like, what your role is in a trauma situation? What do you do? It's, honestly, it's one of my favorite aspects of the ER. Um, I think a lot of people who work in an ER... It's a big reason of why they work in the ER is for that trauma of never knowing what's going to come in. And when something big comes in, you get that jolt of adrenaline. Um, actually, when I was first trained, I was first trained in going in, like, really advocating for myself of being in the room ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I had a really humbling experience in my first job that taught me really important assessment skills of whether or not I should be strictly in the room no matter what um which was a great learning learning experience I always go back to and I talk to my interns about but in traumas I think number one it's to assess whether or not child life is needed or not Mm -hmm. if there is a patient who is actively coding and is not conscious to me my priorities go to the family are there siblings there where are the parents do they need support? Should I go get the chaplain? Should I page the chaplain? My attention goes elsewhere if they're doing life-saving measures where the child is not even conscious. Now, if there is a child or an adolescent in the room that they are conscious and there's a lot of things going on, I think back a couple, uh, about six months ago, we had a school-age boy who was hit by a car and I was in the room, and I think for me, I don't bring in my iPad. I don't bring in all the bells and whistles that I normally bring in for distraction. Many times I'll bring in a stress ball in myself, Mm -hmm. and I'll go to the head of the bed, and I just act as the nurses go through their automatic ways of putting the line in and making uh, the doctor doing their neuroassessments and things like that. I see myself as making sure that that child understands what each person in the room is doing for them. Um, For example, if they're putting the IV and I'll do my spiel on preparing that child for what the IV starts going to be. Many times in traumas, we're not able to provide the pain management, for example, Mm -hmm. that we would do for kids that aren't needing an IV right away. So making sure we can help utilize the coping skills he has at that moment. And many times the parents might not be there 
yet. So I'm being that number one support system and making sure I can be that connection for them that is kind of the liaison between that child and the medical staff. Even a lot of times during neuroassessment when the doctor or the attending comes in and tries to make sure that their neurological status is uh, where it should be, I'll help interpret different things maybe she or he is saying that a child might not understand at that age mm-hmm. and clarify things for them. But to me, it's what I look in the room. Assessment is key, and your assessment skills really sharpen as you continue in the field. And each experience, I feel like I will walk away learning a different thing, which is really awesome. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. Our staff, are they pretty receptive to you being in there if the child is needing a child life specialist? <laughs> Usually if I don't know about the trauma coming in, I'll hear, do you? <laughs> uh, they're extremely oh receptive, which I feel very lucky and blessed to be part of a team where I feel like they're my extended family. Wow. And I'm sure especially the things that you guys have gone through together, mm-hmm. going through the trauma, is that's got to bond you guys in so many ways. That, absolutely. That, along with any type of nuance that diagnosis we see, um, whether that's a new diabe- a diabetes diagnosis, a new cancer diagnosis, we have kids that come in for sexual assault exams. Um, we have kids that come in for abuse evaluations. There's so many things that we see on a day-to-day basis that many people outside the hospital they may have experienced or they may have never experienced anything like that it bonds you as a team Mm -hmm. um and I don't take that lightly I I really value that connection that we have together as we kind of unify to do whatever we can to support those kids and those families Mm -hmm. that is amazing has anything um, ever, this is going to be such an off-topic question, yeah. but has anything ever grossed you out in the ER? Yes, like, oh my gosh, yes. I feel <laughs> like ER. everybody has their, th- <laughs> I feel like everybody has their thing that they don't like. Mine, in particular, are INDs, which are incision and drainages. So when kids come in with big abscesses that need to be drained, oh I, I don't handle pus very well. Uh-huh, yeah. In sense, <laughs> I would not either. <laughs> I can handle the as the bloody things like no problem uh-huh. but it when, when it comes to pus uh-huh. I just don't handle it well oh so gosh. I usually utilize my techniques because that doesn't make an excuse that I can't go in and help uh, children or adolescents right, that come in right. for those so I have my little techniques I use mm-hmm. for those in particular because they don't smell very good um, oh. yikes <laughs> I'll put a little bit of peppermint oil I'll dab it we have peppermint oil in our uh, unit which we're very fortunate to have mm-hmm. I'll dab it onto a mask and then I'll put another mask on top of it and so I'll double mask it up and all I smell is peppermint oil that's so- such a good strategy <laughs> wow yeah I used to put um, I used to have like Vicks uh, that way uh-huh, I would put yeah. that in my mask but we have now peppermint oil, which is oh, nice. But it's the little tricks you got to make sure yeah. you can get through those procedures that kind of make you irk a little bit. Uh-huh, <laughs> totally. Oh, my gosh. That's, I mean, it's another learning opportunity, yes. I'm sure, as you go. Like, okay, how do I need to handle this in order to still be effective? Yes. Wow. I guess kind of closing before we get to our rapid five, mm-hmm. um, what do you feel like is especially unique about the ER? Like, obviously, there's so many things like fast-paced environment. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, for you especially, like, what's so unique that you really love about it? 
That's a great question. I think, I think in every unit, you're going to get a different style, a different vibe, a different, I feel like every child life specialist has a different job. They wear money hats on different units. The ER, I always tell my interns, it's a beast of its own. And it's, it's so challenging, not only professionally, but personally. It, there's always cases that are going to tap into you um, a little bit more than others. But a lot of times when these big cases I talk about that I get so excited about, they come in and they just, you walk away, you go on auto, autopilot during, when you're in the ER. There might be a kid who is seizing in one room and as an ambulance is coming in, bringing a patient who might have overdosed while there's three IV starts going on. Yikes. Um, it's insane. But you go into autopilot mode, you use your skills, and you trust yourself enough to know what you are going to do. But after your shift ends, you walk away. And then you kind of have that realization of, like, oh, my God, what did I see today? Yeah. Um. And I think that's a little bit different than other units, but I love it at the same time because I remember my interview here, they asked me what the most rewarding and most challenging experiences I have, and that answer is the same for me. Wow, interesting. The most challenging cases down there, like I said earlier, with kids that come in for sexual assault exams, kids that come in for abuse evaluations, kids that come in for pure crisis situations with themselves or their family those are the moments that are most taxing on you but gives you opportunity to really change lives and I always say child life is all about the little things and it's the little things that matter those are the game changers and to be able to be part of that game changer in a healthcare environment during a crisis is incredible and that's what I value about the ER because I feel like there's not a lot of other units that have that. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's that's a really amazing perspective to, like, see the value and the need. Like, it sounds like you're just up to every challenge. Like, yes. that anything that comes in through the ER, like, you're ready to take it on. Yes. And, and that it doesn't... You're, you're fearless in that sense, like that you see like the way that you can make a difference and that this can be such a, a positive experience in the, even in the midst of something so awful and so mm-hmm. hard. It is, you know, I think it's also important though, as much as you talk about, or I talk about being as positive as possible, it's also important to continue self-reflecting in our profession mm-hmm. because our profession in general is very taxing. Burnout is real. And I think there's a stigma on it, or I think we're expected to think of this is a job and this is what we signed up for. And yeah, it's certain days are going to be hard, but years down the road, I think you really realize what burnout really means. And being able to take care of that is of the utmost importance because Mm -hmm. that's going to affect your patient care. So Mm -hmm. even though it's, I say those challenging experiences are the most rewarding. I do have to check myself and be self-reflective on making sure I take care of myself in order for me to continue to do what I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I, I think it's awesome that you have such a commitment to learn, whether that be learning a new procedure in the ER or learning a new way that you're responding, like just to have that mindfulness and that mm-hmm. self-awareness to, to see, okay, this is a situation that I've been put in. How do I respond? What's a little different than last time and how can I be reflective right. about that? I feel like there's so many things I could keep talking to you about, <laughs> like prioritization is something that comes to my mind, or continue to talk about self-care and burnout, um, but in order to try to keep our podcast yes. commute small <laughs> size. Maybe we'll do a part um, two. Yes, totally. <laughs> Would you like to um, answer some rapid five questions? Absolutely. Okie dokie. So rapid five, five different questions, five brief answers. Number one finish the sentence I would not survive an ER shift without bubbles for sure really yes no way that's awesome (laughs) go to thing huh um number two what is one thing you do for self-care I love weight training um it's been a new a newer passion of mine but weight training yes love it uh it really helps me get that energy out of what I'm feeling um before my shift I do weight training that's awesome girl good for you that is so cool (laughs) number three what is the funniest thing you have ever seen in the ER uh we had a um four-year-old girl who (laughs) put a plant up her nose uh, <laughs> because last year, the previous year, she remembered she put this plant up her nose and then she snotted it out to make her brother laugh. But no. the time she came in, it got stuck. Uh, so she had oh to get it. God. We had to help her get it removed from her nostril because all she was trying to do was help her brother laugh. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of my so favorite stories. Funny. There's so many of them, but Are that was one like of them. a succulent or what kind of plant? It was uh, a weed, actually. Oh, yeah. gross. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was interesting, but it was very, it was a fun, that was a fun one, that's for that's sure. so funny. All for her brother. I love For that. the love of her brother. Oh, what a worthy cause. <laughs> Man. Number four, what is your favorite procedure to support? I love fracture reductions and very complex, like, extremity lacerations where, like, you can see muscle and stuff like that. Okay. Those are fun. No, <laughs> I can't say I would ever feel that way, but that is great. You're in the good field. And number five, taking it to kind of a serious mm-hmm. note, or it doesn't have to be, but what's one main piece of advice for someone wanting to work in the ER? Burnout is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something to be ashamed of. Mm, that's good wisdom. And I think um, self-reflection is very important and always listen to your heart and what it's telling you. Thank you, Danielle. That's that's good wisdom just to, to share with anyone in the child life field. But especially, I love that point of like not being ashamed of yes. when we burn out. Mm-hmm. Like when, I mean, I think we should have a sensitivity and a softness to the things that we see. Yes. So it's okay when you're feeling that extra. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for the work that you do, Danielle. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for being on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, thank you so much to our listeners for um listening along to this some of the untold stories of the er uh if you guys want to hear more podcasts i encourage you to subscribe we're going to have um continued podcasts of various child life specialists and their real and honest stories be sure to check out our website too childlifecooperative.com and we even have an instagram that's right on instagram and may we all in the meantime continue to lean into the mission of the child life cooperative by learning through reflection uniting for support and equipping students to advance the child life profession thanks so much and until next time